Hi, it's Carol Potter, and you're listening to Reliving My Youth. And welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. She portrayed one of the best TV mothers, not only of the 90s, but of all time. I'm talking about Cindy Walsh from Beverly Hills 90210, played by the very talented Carol Potter. Carol tells me how she got started in the business and how she landed the iconic role of Cindy. She shares some of her favorite and not-so-favorite storylines from the show and why Cindy could never have a job. Speaking of jobs, Carol is now a licensed marriage and family therapist, providing psychotherapy for individuals, couples, and families. I had a little fun with her and asked her if she can evaluate Dylan McKay. Here's my conversation with Carol. And helping me relive my youth today is Carol Potter. Carol, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, so before we, you know, we talk about, you know, Beverly Hills and stuff, uh, let's go a little, little uh, way back. How did you uh, first get involved in acting? Um, <laughs> well, I wanted to be an actress since I was about five years old, but um, it, it didn't seem like a, it didn't fit with my family's understanding of what life looked like. Um, and so it really wasn't until I was in college um I mean, I always acted every time I had the opportunity in grammar school and high school and all of that, and I did a lot in college as well. And um, after I graduated, some friends of mine um, were at the Yale School of Drama, and this was, you know, this was a pretty heady time. There's a lot of anti-war demonstrations, and I was interested in psychology, but the idea of, like, going to graduate school just seemed like, insane. I just couldn't get my head around it. And um, some of my friends uh, from Harvard were at the drama school, Yale Drama School, and they started this little summer theater company. And I said, oh, you know, uh, let me give this a try. And um, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. And (laughs) at the end of the summer, I said to myself, boy, if I still want to do this after this this whole experience, I must really want to do it. So I just I, I just kept uh, looking for opportunities. I, I was able to connect with um, the head of the Williamstown uh, Theater Company at the time, and I was part of a small group that started a second company, including Sigourney Weaver and Allie Mills and um, a bunch of other people. And um, and it just just one thing led to another, and it just kept going. So I kept going with it. <laughs> yeah. So did you like go on a lot of auditions, a lot of rejection, or did you just like knock it out of the park first try? Oh God, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh yeah. I mean, I made every mistake in the book. I think um, I, uh, you know, I wasn't. I. I, I it just took a lot to 
understand, you know, what was required. I, I had the, the right instincts um, in some ways, but um, honing those instincts so that I was delivering at an audition was a whole different kind of thing. And, um, you know, I did get helpful advice from people along the way. And, you know, you, you t there's all sorts of classes you can take once you get to New York. There's, like, audition classes. There's um, camera classes. There's, uh, you know, commercial classes, you know. And I, oh, and there's classes about how to be successful and setting goals. And I just, I took everything that I, that came along and sort of just tried to keep applying what I was learning to, um, to do be have better auditions and um, continuing to, uh, you know, to work. I mean, that's that's it's just a question of uh, you got to keep working. But there's definitely a sense of you know you you as long as I had another audition on ahead of me, if I didn't get something, I didn't kind of notice. But then after a series of auditions, there'd be this huge letdown, and, and, um, and that, was, that was challenging. You really have to learn to deal with uh, um, disappointment and discouragement. Just, you just got to keep going at it. Yeah, exactly. Now, when you were, it's a persistence game. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. When, when you were going on these auditions, and, um, were you, did you have like a regular job to you know, pay the rent? Well, I was really fortunate. Um, I mean, when I was, I lived in New Haven for a couple of years after okay. this um, event, and uh, yeah, I had a regular job, um, and and was doing a lot of work around the Yale College and Yale Drama School, and working with students, and um, really having a great time. Frankly, <laughs> it was a little, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. Um, then I got to New York and. I was going to go to school, and then I got this job through a director that I'd met at Williamstown. Of, it was a bus and truck tour. And so I was on the road with that, I don't know, about six months maybe, um, six, eight, six, seven months. And then I came back into New York, and then I had unemployment, and the economy was bad, so they kept extending my unemployment, and then somewhere along there I was working with somebody who got me involved in commercials, and I got my first commercial, and that supported me for a year. Um, you know, I had a little money saved that you know, my father felt guilty because my elder brother had gone to I don't know, three or four years of grad school, and my other brother and I hadn't. So he gave each of us a little chunk of cash. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, I, would, I worked in restaurants, um, sort of cafeteria-style restaurants, this little um, health food restaurant on the Upper West Side. So, you know, I did little things like that, but um, I was pretty lucky with the commercial thing that once that started going... Um, I was I was making a nice living doing commercials. Oh, that's great! Yeah, I, I live about yeah. twenty minutes from New Haven now. <laughs> oh, really? Now, where are you? I'm in uh, Trumbull, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes, but <laughs> very uh, familiar. Yeah, originally from uh, Queens, though, <laughs> in New York. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. I'm from the New York area too. Oh, yeah, it's great. You know, New Yorkers at heart. You're you're lucky you're oh. out there now because we're dealing with another north nor'easter, and it's, it's ridiculous. I gather. 
I gather, I know, but I I think about moving back all the time. Yeah, just, I love New York. Yeah, just do it in the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, then yeah, like, you got your your big break doing um, today's FBI, right? Right, yeah. right. That was what brought me to L.A. Um, and and the only reason I stayed was just inertia. <laughs> I mean, I had friends who did the whole um, bi-coastal thing. And I just, I don't know, I just could never quite get that together. So I just hung out and kept looking around. And, you know, I, I got had a great job there for a year. But then, you know, you come to L.A., it, they really don't care what you did in New York. Right. <laughs> I mean, I I was on Broadway. I did a whole lot of theater, and they, you know, they don't they didn't care about that. So it was a lot like starting over, in some ways. I mean, I I had representation and that sort of thing. So at least I was getting auditions. Um, but it was very, you know, it was did feel like I was right back at the beginning. Right. Uh, so that was difficult. Um, but again, it's it's a. I was fortunate that I could make a living with commercials, uh, which helped me really hang in there. Right. So after that show, unfortunately, got canceled. And you, you yeah. went on to do you know a lot of guest starring roles. Were there any like pilots that you thought you'd you know get picked up and you might be a series regular in any of them? I I don't well. No, I mean I'm always surprised when a pilot gets picked up. Right, it's a rare occurrence. Um, I was flabbergasted when 90210 got picked up. I was like, "Wow, this 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 is this is very good news." Um, and you know, we the, today's FBI, we just did this. It was really sort of a movie of the week, and they made it into a. Um, and then they made it into a TV series. So, I mean, that was very exciting, you know, but I didn't know anything about television. I'm not sure I do now either. <laughs> exactly. No one does. I don't think it's... <laughs> no one does anymore. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, part of it was the the cable channels were just starting to come in and all of the numbers, you know, the... Um, audience share and all of that stuff was just starting to fall apart for the major networks. They were, they were, this was the beginning of that scramble right. to, oh my God, we, we've got competition. Um, and so, I mean, any other year since, we had a 28 share for today's FBI. And gosh, a year later, two years later, that would have been solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but things were they were just starting to change it was really it was kind of interesting right so, yeah so when you like read the script for you know for the 90210 pilot and mm -hmm. you know you, you auditioned did you actually think the show like you, you said before they were surprised it got picked up but what were your like initial thoughts on the whole like synopsis of the story you know I, I thought it was cute I enjoyed doing it I you know I but I have to tell you, that was a period in my life I, I thought I was never going to work again. And every time I auditioned and then didn't hear for a few days, I was in despair. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's, fair. It's, it's, it's one of the things about the business, how it can flip either way. You know, you're like on top because 
you know, this thing is really going, suddenly this thing gets canceled, boom, you've got nothing. Or, you know, there is nothing going on and you just managed to get this thing and suddenly you've, you know, you've got a job for five years. It was quite, it was quite crazy. Yeah, and, and Fox has had, like, kind of, like, a niche of getting those shows that just blow up, and they're such a fad. You know, between your show, they had Glee for a little bit, and yeah. the X-Files, and then 24. They had these Well, you know, shows. they did something really interesting with our show. They figured out that it, the teenagers were really excited about it. So the second season... The summer episodes, right? We, <laughs> We start, yeah, we did all these summer episodes because that's when kids are home. Right. And we did like 30, you know, normal, normal seasons, 22 episodes, and we were doing like 30. So it was, it was pretty crazy. Right. <laughs> I mean, it was great. It was right. great. You know, you got to go to work, you know, uh, on a regular basis. And, the, you know, the people were, the staff, the crew was great. And, and the you know the directors were terrific, and so it was a it was a um, it was a great experience. Right. So then, uh, like I mean, Lyman Ward, right? He was supposed to be the first choice for Jim Walsh. Yes. Yeah. Did, did, did he audition, or did he get he got the role first, right? Yeah, he was in the pilot. Yes, and unfortunately, most of my scenes were with him. So when they brought in Jim, they didn't bother reshooting any of it. They just cut it all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So that was, you know, but that's the kind of thing that happens. You know, you're in a movie and your part ends up on the cutting room floor. Right. And, and you know, uh, this happened to someone I knew and then nobody told him he wasn't in the movie. He goes to see the movie and he's going like, where am I? <laughs> because, you know, people don't tell you anything. Right, yeah, that's, that's unfortunate. <laughs> but you still get a paycheck though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All that matters, yeah. right? <laughs> Well, you don't get it. You don't get the rerun paycheck right, if you're not true. in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But you get the initial paycheck. Yeah. So, like Jim and Cindy, they like they were like you know the the ideal parents. You know, it, it seemed like especially like there. You know, they were like just kind of like a fish out of water. Did you kind of like agree right. with like that assessment that you guys were like the perfect ideal parents on the show? Well, I certainly a lot of you know I got a lot of fan mail. And it tended to say either, you know, my mom is just like you, or I wish my mom were just like you. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, the parents who were always understanding and, um, you know, I, I think we did show that discipline at times, um, but that, that – are really connected to their kids. You know, the kids can talk to them. I mean, of course, they weren't our actual children. Right. <laughs> These conversations were scripted. So, yeah. but you know, I think they did. They did try to show some of the conflicts and challenges that show up between teenagers and their parents. Right, but yeah, but you guys did a good job of like portraying like the actual like you know ideal. You know, like you could kind mm -hmm. of play it off where it's like, all right. You're just reading the words, but it's like you the portrayal of it really, you know, came across as like you were mm. really, you know, compassionate parents. Well, I think, you know, I, you know, my kid would give me pretty good marks, and right. I think um, <laughs> uh, Jim's kids would as well. Right. Uh, now, our kids were much younger 
when we were playing those parents, um, my kid was like three to eight, and his he had two. One was a little older than mine, and one was a little younger than mine. So we were dealing with a whole different stage in our own lives than we were on the television show. And it was uh, it was interesting because we'd have these conversations like, oh, do you think Christopher would ever do anything like right. that? You're yeah. Xander. Exactly. You know, if, if you, yeah. as you get older, you kind of put in the episode as kind of like a PSA, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that in in real life, you know, when my son was a, in high school, there is such a desire for independence and not wanting to. But, you know, he would come and talk to me or right. my husband um, if something was really, really compelling. But most of the time, he sort of he sort of pretended he lived by himself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but we've been managed. We've managed to maintain a really good communication. That's I think through his his life. He's thirty now. So oh, wow, yeah, that's good. Yeah, my son just turned thirteen. He's going to high school in the fall. So. Oh my god! I know, I'm, I'm freaking out. My daughter's eight. It's it goes by so fast. It goes by so fast, and and really that period of having raising children and you're, you're trying to. You know, you've got household things to handle. You've got the kids. You've got school. You've got, you know, are you, you know, you're working. Are you going to school? You're doing, you know, you've got things you're doing. It's the craziest time of life. And it's just nonstop in our culture. It just keeps going. And, and I think I, sort of at the end of it, you sort of stop and go look around and go, oh, my God, I, I'm just breathless for the last 20 years. Exactly. You, you, don't, you don't sit still for a second, and it's no, it's no, no. It's crazy. Yeah. So then it like, is. Yeah. So like, you you have a degree degree in family counseling. That's what you do now, correct? Yeah, I'm a marriage and family therapist. Right. So like, actually, I've I've started getting back into the acting thing. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I've been doing a play the last couple of Januarys. Um, there's a little theater company at the um, Beverly Hills High. And they put on this play in in um, Greystone Mansion, which is a huge mansion above um, Beverly Hills, above Sunset, that was built by Edward Doheny, who was a big um, uh, oil magnet. Okay. Right? And a lot of things in L.A. are named Doheny after him. And... And he got involved in this um, scandal in the Harding administration about drilling on federal lands, and then there was a murder-suicide in the mansion with one of, with his son. And so it's so this um, member of the company had wrote this play, and so they've been doing it for I don't know fifteen, sixteen years. But she moved up north, and so I stepped into the role of the wife last year. And it's oh, it's just, it's one of those plays that just takes everything out of you but it's been so much fun oh that's awesome now do you prefer so much fun do you prefer like on stage or like you know or like i love working on stage yeah i mean i'm i just never feel like i 
get it enough. I want to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Keep having that opportunity to fine-tune and discover and what is this moment really about. A television that just always worked a little too fast for me. Really? I like to really sit with it. And plus, I like having the arc of the whole play. You know, you yeah. start from the beginning, you go through the middle, and, and then you end. Uh, in TV, you're you're shooting this little piece, and you're shooting that little piece. Um, it's very disjointed. So I like I like having that sort of through line and experiencing it that way. Yeah, I love the theater. Yeah. There are real people there. Right. They applaud you at the end. It's divine. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully, they applaud you, right? <laughs> yes, yes. They well, they did. We had great audiences. They love this show. So right. That, yeah. Right. So I, I'm hoping to do some more of that and. Because I'm, I'm kind of winding down my practice at this point, okay. but I I did get I'm involved in another little project, which is kind of fun with a, a psychologist who lives in New Jersey, near where I grew up, um, who's written some children's books for the APA, the American Psychological Association, and so he and I um, are develop are working on a book proposal for um, doing a parenting a, a parenting book for parents with chronically ill or seriously ill children. Mm. So, and I, what I did, I also, so it's interesting because you were saying we portray these perfect parents, right. um, but as a psychologist, as a therapist, I've also um, co-created a parenting class that I taught for four years and still being utilized at the counseling center where I got most of my training. So I really have focused some on these parenting issues, couples issues, especially young families. And um, that was, it was really, really fun and satisfying to develop this parenting class. And um, I'm hoping that right now we're working on the sample chapter that we have to provide. And so we'll be submitting this book proposal Probably next month, so in a couple of years, <laughs> it'll take a year to 18 months to write the damn thing. Right. Um, a couple of years, I might have a a parenting book on the market. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I hope it all works out. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fun to be sort of re-engaged kind of academically because school was always one of my strong suits. Right. So, so now let's just say... You have the characters on the show, and we'll play a quick little game. Uh, Brenda, okay. Brenda and Dylan, what you know their relationship? How would you evaluate that? <laughs> um, well, Dylan is the perfect sort of romantic. Um, it's it, he's the perfect trap for the romantic high school girl because he's mysterious and sensitive and you know he's got this dark mysterious past and he he's kind of a loner and so i, I would say he's he's like catnip <laughs> To a you know a typical high school girl, right? And and frankly, better to have a crush on him in television than in real life. True, right? And you—that's nothing to say about Luke, though. I adore Luke. Right? Yeah, I heard you guys had a little flirtation going on, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. we did. We had a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> 
So the, okay, so I've noticed on the on the show. I haven't watched in a while, but I've you know good long term memory, short term memory is not so great. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that you know all the characters, you know whether it was Jenny Garth or Terry Spelling, everyone came to you for advice, and you had you know the sit down, you know the scene, the one on one with them. You never had right. Jason Priestley. You picked up something that I think is really significant. I never had a single scene with my son. Right. It was always at the table with the rest of the family. It was always at the table. There was lots of father-son stuff. Right. Lots of father-daughter, mother-daughter. But don't you think that's interesting? Do you have a theory about that? Because I do. Oh, um, let me hear. Actually, I don't, but let me hear yours. (laughs) My theory is that a couple of things. One is that the writers, who right. were mostly men, we had some women on the okay. staff, some really good writers, um, but they were mostly men, and I think they didn't want to deal with their own experience being a teenager with a, having a woman okay. be in their authority, hmm. right? Because right. here's, you know, you're a young man and you're trying to sort of grow into your manhood. And then there's this older woman who gets to tell you what to do. Right. And I think they didn't want. I think they didn't want to do it for the show because he was the ringleader of the crowd. But I think they also just didn't want to deal with their own memories of their relationship with their mom. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, I, I can like I picked that up, you know, watching it over over the you know the course of the series. And you know, I'm I come from a single parent home where it was just my mother and myself, so I picked right. that I picked that up right away. <laughs> right, because you had lots of conversations of with your mom. Yeah, of course, right. Well, you know, I did come back for an episode, right? And 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 Jason and I had some wonderful scenes together, and it was so much fun. I wish we had done it sooner. He was directing the episode too, so. Um, that was that was great. It was fun to be able to finally have that with him. We really enjoyed that. Right. So then, like, when you guys left to go to Hong Kong, was that just basically just to write you out because the kids were getting older, or was it something that you guys wanted? To, I doubt you guys wanted to leave the show. The guy was doing too, so so well. Well, yeah. I it was they're getting too old to have their parents around all right. the time. And I think that what they did was that they then turned the house into the parental figure in a way. Okay. You know, because they were in the same house, so they, so it still had there was this this grounding in the the house and the family, even though the parents weren't there. Right. And it provided so that provided some continuity. But I mean, it was absurd. Can you imagine? Moving halfway across the world and allowing your college-age children to live in your Beverly Hills mansion. With, with I mean, yeah, pretty much, and and bring in a Steve Sanders as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. A bunch of a bunch of college people living in your home. Oh, that's the last thing you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's dramatic license. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. So then, like, and I mentioned before, like, they all came to you for advice. Was that something that, like, you suggested since you had that counseling background? Or did they actually know that you had the counseling background? That's why they did it. Oh, no, no, no. I think they just saw, they just saw um, uh, Cindy Walsh as, that that 
that was part of her character, that she was the understanding one, so all the kids came and talked to her. It's like, you know, my father was like that. My brother's friends... They they would ha- they had a hard time talking to their own parents, but they would come and talk to my dad. He was a psychiatrist, and he was very empathic. And he, you know, he would really listen and you know say something. And he and he was smart about it. You know, he knew he knew that these kids' parents loved them and wanted them around and all that stuff. So he often found a way to sort of improve the situation. Um, but yeah, I saw that growing up because people and, and other, other um, I remember some, I remember one of our friends, um, one of my brother's friends had a girlfriend for a while who would talk to my mom all the time. And, um, and I think, you know, other, my other brother had a girlfriend who was very close to my mom. So I, I definitely had parents like that. Um, I had a girlfriend who really connected with my mom and, you know, said to me at one point that knowing my mother sort of opened up real possibilities for her that she didn't see in her own mother, you know, the kinds of things that she did and the kind of life she had. Um, So I think that's, I think that's common, that, that, that a group of kids, they'll often be one set of parents right. or a mom or, or a dad in the, in the group that um, the, the kids, that the other kids come and talk to because about stuff, that, about issues they're having with their own parents that they can't really talk to their parents about. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and the show definitely portrayed that to a T. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's why that was like that. You know, they and of course they sent me to graduate school, which was nice. That was that was really great. That gave me a little bit. There was a period there where the parents were Jim. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but it was like I was serving. I was I was I was opening the scene by crossing in with the coffee pot. <laughs> I wasn't really saying anything. Right. Um, and, but then they decided, they decided to send me to, um, California University, uh, for, to get a counseling degree. Right. And, and that was great because then I could bump into kids in another setting away from home. Away from home. Because, yeah. Yeah. Because they wouldn't give you a job, right? I know. You know, we had this whole thing going. Do you remember I do some some landscaping at my house right, and, yeah. and we had this whole thing oh I finally convinced Jim to say okay and he'll get the the liability insurance and then it just got dropped mm. because Fox TV said no no she can't have a job I mean these are these kids I mean forget how old they really were yeah. <laughs> even yeah. in the show they were 15 right exactly so you know they don't need their mom around all the time now mm-hmm. i thought that was so funny cuz at that time because of the simpsons more than anything else that fox had this reputation for being so avant-garde you know yeah. which and is, they yeah. were incredibly they and i found that that's so it was they were so conservative about Cindy and my relationship in the household, you know, 
I had to be the full-time mom. I, you know, I was like, well, what era are you living in? And, you know, it's true because, like, the other two big shows that I think mentioned The Simpsons, I think Marge in the 30 years has probably had, like, a handful of jobs. And then uh, Married <laughs> with Children. I don't, Peg, Bun- Peg Bundy was a housewife. So the two That's biggest right. shows, they probably just didn't want to, you know, rock the bow and just kind of have the same, you know, setting. Well, you know, um, I think one of the issues was... The Simpsons, at least, and this may have been true with Married with Children, the Simpsons got creative control, okay. so they weren't subject to what Fox okay. wanted them to do. Hmm. So, so they probably Fox just followed that suit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then, so with us, they, they, they had ideas about, you know, moms, you know, moms not working, but I mean... It was, and it was. It's so interesting because they were, they were even talking about a storyline where I'd start this business and this business would take off, and then Jim would lose his job, and we'd have to deal with those kind of dynamics right. that sometimes happen in in the economy of the the wife is making all the money and the guy isn't, and how challenging that is and I, I you know I've gone through periods as a therapist and there was at one point that I had three couples like this where um, now they weren't you know they weren't they, they didn't have kids or anything right but these were you know the guys were kind of entrepreneurs and and the, the, they were just getting killed by the economy they could not get anything going because it was like the post 2008 oh, yeah. right and so it, it, I mean, it, they did miss some ways they really could have been out ahead of things. I mean, I think the other piece they missed, and I'm sure this is just because they wouldn't have known what to do with it, but at the time we were shooting, the population of Beverly Hills High School was like 40% Iranian. Hmm. So can you imagine if we'd done some stories right. around, you know, people, you know, immigrants from Iran, <laughs> and, uh, and you know, this is now big news. You know, maybe they, they would have, maybe they would have been Muslim or Jewish or, I mean, it could have been really interesting. I'm sure they felt like they didn't, that would have required, like, research and yeah. really getting a lot more information than than they had in their uh in their back pocket. Yeah, that, yeah, that would have, that definitely would have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like what was like the most like outrageous storyline that you thought like you read the script and like oh my god I can't believe we're doing this. Oh lord, I'm not sure I can even remember. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, I tell you, the thing that pissed me off the most was when the week after my son totaled his car. Oh, he's driving the station wagon. That's he's crazy. driving my car. Yeah. I'm going, are you out of your mind? Yeah. But they, you know, that was the, the, he had to be independent. He had to get somewhere. Right. And, of course, everybody knows there's there's no public transportation in Los Angeles, so it wasn't like he could take a bus. Yeah, exactly. And 
you know, since Steve and his Corvette weren't but around. But I mean, was, I was just, I was just like, oh my God, what are parents, the parents are going to think we let him just take our car after he'd had this terrible accident. He was drunk too, wasn't he, when he had that accident? Yeah, he was, yeah. Oh my God, you're grounded for a month. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, there was another. There was another situation. It was euphoria, oh, and they go to right. some club or something. Yeah. And somebody drops like acid or something in their drink. Yeah, his girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 I was like getting real serious, and you know, um, Jason was being all, "Oh yeah, mom," you know, he yeah. wasn't taking it seriously at all, and I just. I really got angry because I know people who, in the 60s, who ended up in mental institutions because they were taking too much acid or, you know, taking it too frequently or, you know, didn't know they were taking it. So um, we had, uh, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I, you know, I felt like, I felt like, you know, sometimes as a parent, you have to come down strong. Yeah, absolutely. You know? I, I guess maybe they figured, you know, the, the time between the episodes wasn't a week. Maybe it was a month or two months. You know, they, maybe they justify it that way. Yeah, it, you'd have Cop to. Out. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, when as a parent yourself, you know, having watched this show, was there anything, is there, do you find yourself sort of pulling out little tidbits or ideas that you use with your own kids as a result of art of something that happened in the show? No, you know what? The kids, you know, obviously they're obviously much younger. Obviously your kids are younger, yeah. yeah. So but not, 14, not really. he's getting there. He's, he's getting there. You know, I, I, I just pull out the Bart's, the uh, Homer Simpson is to start choking my son like he did with Bart. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it can be a great that can be a great um, common language, though. Yeah. If you watch it together, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we you know we we have our you know connections that we you know we'll watch and we'll you know do that. So it's now it's just dealing with you know the obviously he's well into puberty and stuff like that. It's just you know the moodiness once in a while. That's, that's yeah. the hardest part, you know. And then watching my daughter, who is a carbon copy of my wife, just battling, and I kind of stay you know off on the side. <laughs> Well, this is what I've noticed. They go away during high school, but they come back in their mid twenties. <laughs> I mean, I felt like when he my son went off to college, and he was now dealing with things on his own. Right. It was like, oh, he was listening. <laughs> he really, uh, he really did learn something here. Yeah. You know, so that that was very it was very affirming, <clears throat> and then and then I don't know something something happens in the mid twenties when they sort of go, oh yeah, they're my parents. Then she actually knows stuff. <laughs> I could use her as a resource. Yeah, it's, it's so true. You know, they're they're not the enemy. They're you know they they knew what yeah. they were talking about once in a while. But yeah, it's like just when I went to high school and now you know seeing my son start to do it it's the whole i mean it's been 25 years maybe since i actually almost 30 
that yeah. so much stuff has changed, and it's just, it's so much different, and it's more, uh, you know, scary. Oh, the social media thing. Yeah, exactly, and the bullying, Terrible. and now the shootings, it's it's scary. Hey, they. Yeah. God, I know, I didn't, I, you know, when my, you know, I have one of those baby books when my son was born. Right. One of the hot things at that time were these freeway shootings. Okay. Somebody'd be on a on an overpass and just randomly shoot somebody in a car. Uh, huh. I know it. It happens like several times. You figure there's copycats out, and then it it just went away. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody had. It, I had. It's been. I don't know. Twenty eight years or more since I've heard of a freeway shooting. It just was one of these phenomenon that right. arose and then disappeared. I wish we could say the same about yeah. these school shootings. It's just yeah. horrible. The kids have to go to school wondering about that. And this whole idea, oh, yeah, let's turn, let's, you know, increase security at schools. Well, that doesn't really help. That just, oh, now we go into lockdown. It's like going into going to prison instead of, and kids already have enough ambivalent feelings about school without making them more prison-like. Yeah. Uh, totally. And my, you know, my wife is a kindergarten teacher too, so now I have to worry about that as well. And it's, oh God. It's, it's brutal. And, you know, and, 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 and you're in Connecticut. Yeah, we're, we're like 20 minutes from Sandy Hook. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So, so that, that was rough when, when that happened, which actually ironically happened on my son's birthday. Oh, yeah. So we went because we heard that they were accepting donations and stuff like that. So we immediately, you know, drove over there the next day, and <sighs> the outpouring of support was was amazing. And uh, you know, because they didn't, you know, go back to that school, they tore it down, and they had to find an empty school, which was I think the next town over. They were asking right. volunteers to get the school ready. My wife went. They were turning people away because they had so much support. Yeah. Oh God! Well, that's a, that's a that's a grace. Yeah, it's great. Just we just need the support where it matters right now. <laughs> oh man! You know that's another. Yeah, story. well, that's but yeah, the, to be so close and must have been really devastating. Yeah. To to have that close a connection with that experience. I mean, most you know it was just oh, there's little babies. It just wrenches your heart. Yeah, I, I know. And then, like, if that didn't change the laws, I don't think anything will. It's it's a shame. Well, I don't know. These kids are pretty impressive. They, they are, you know. And, I'm, I'm... <laughs> and I think that there's, you know, I think there there is an opportunity here um, with candidates who can capitalize on Trump's weaknesses right. and pull in the people who kind of... There were a lot of people that switched from Obama to Trump, which seems... Yeah, exactly. ...strange, but I get it in a lot of ways. And if we get some people in there who aren't so beholden to the National Rifle Association, there is possibility for some from some change but at the very least the cdc needs to be studying these phenomenon and determining what actually would help right and, and not just saying oh it's mental illness mental illness you have to you know like you said you have to study it and examine why it happens 
but you also have yeah. to take away the tools for it to to occur. Yeah. You know, it's it's both well, sides. Well, I mean, to... it, I mean, they literally the 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 National Rifle Association was able to get legislation. This was years ago that forbids the CDC from studying gun violence. Forbids them. Right. I mean, that's just insane. How do you know how to deal with something unless you know what's going on? <laughs> Getting on one of my little soapbox. Uh, it's, it's quite all right. I brought it up, so it's quite all right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but Carol, this was this was so great. Thank you so much for a few minutes. Today. Oh, you're welcome, Noel. I, I enjoyed it very much. And a special thanks to Carol for joining us today. You can follow me on Twitter at the first Noel One Nine. Be sure to like the page We're Living My Youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes. You can check out past shows, and while you're there, you can rate and review the show. And a special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do it without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Living My Youth real soon. <laughs>